And I felt like as we lead up to Easter that we needed to do this series called Fearless because there are a lot of people that struggle with fear, even if they're Christians. And I just want to address it head on. I just want us to talk about fear, talk about what it is, talk about why it affects us the way that it does, and even talk about how to overcome it. See, a lot of times what we do in response to fear is we just address the problem, whatever it may be, whether it be illness, whether, whether it be the, the thought of losing someone we love, whether it, it, it's, it's the fact that, that somebody that, that ha, has potentially gone astray that we know and we care for dis, desperately and we want them to, to be okay and we want them to come back to God and we, we are fearful for them. There, there are so many things that we are fearful of, even as Christians, that we're afraid of. I want us to look instead of, of how to resolve each of those things that we're afraid of, I want us to look at the root of fear and where it comes from and how to deal with it at its root. See, I think the problem is, is that fear, because we consume ourselves so much in, in the right here and right now so many times, we look at all the things that are going on around us and that's the reason fear is able to, to take hold of us. That's the reason fear is able to grip our hearts and, and do things to us. I believe that if we were to focus more on Jesus Christ and we were to, to look at what he has done on the cross and we were to look at the hope that exists in eternity, I believe that we would be a lot more fearless. I believe there would be a whole heck of a lot less fear in our lives if we would draw closer and closer to Jesus Christ and less and less, draw less and less towards this world. Because I believe that the world, honestly, as we look at the, the problems that exist right here and right now, what happens? They seem really big, right? The problems, the, the things that we're afraid of, they, they just like, they're right here and they're in our face and it's just like, it's huge. But the problem is that if we, if we would focus more on Jesus Christ, if we'd focus more on our God and what he is able to accomplish through people, ordinary people, then we would see how big God is and we would focus more on how big God is and less on how big our troubles are. You've heard many, many pastors say this, right? The, the fact that if you focus on how big God is, then your fears and your doubts and your struggles all begin to shrink and they all begin to, to become little, uh, less and less. And that's the way that it works. I'm, I'm not the first person to preach on this. I, I, I'm one of many that have talked about fear and how we struggle with it and how we deal with it. And, and I can tell you in my own life, I can give you personal experiences of me dealing with fear, and I've done that many times before, and through this series, I'll do it again. But I think that there's a lot of people in here, and you'd really like to be fearless. You would like to be bold. You would like to stand strong in the face of these things that you're fearful of. And you just don't want to be afraid. You just don't want to be afraid. You hate the fact that fear has such a grip on you. It drives you crazy. I feel you. I really do. We're going to look through this, uh, through this series. We're going to look at some, some ways in which God uses some ordinary men. And they, uh, I mean, they end up being like incredible. Incredible warriors. Inc incredible examples of faith and strength and, and all those kinds of things. But it's because of their closeness to God it's because of how close they are to God is the reason that they, they have less fear, that they're more fearless. That's the reason why they have this boldness that they appear to have. 
It's because it's, it's what God is able to do through them because of their trusting. And that word that we all know so well, faith in God, that's the reason they're able to accomplish these great feats. The first guy that we're going to look at uh, in this series is a guy called Benaiah. If you will turn in your Bibles with us to 2 Samuel chapter 23, beginning in verse 20. We're going to look at what God's Word has to say to us in just a second. But I want to show you a, a video. Uh, a buddy of mine, his name is Francis Chan. Uh, thank you for the four people in the front row that got that. Um, yeah, Francis Chan and I, we're not, we're not really tight. He just calls me on weekends. We don't hang out on you know, weekdays or anything like that. But anyway, Francis Chan talks about fear a little bit here. And he even talks about going before the judge with this comfortable, really quiet, subdued life that, you know, we didn't do anything bold or anything uh, out of the ordinary. We just kind of went on this safest possible path and what that looks like. So we'll watch the video for just a second. Off the team, whatever, you know, just there's so much instability, so much that we don't understand, that, that we don't know. For me, growing up, it was, a, a lot of you guys know, my mom died giving birth to me, and my dad remarried, then my stepmom died in a car accident when I was nine, then my dad got married again, then my dad died of cancer when I was 12, and so I'm in junior high, my mom's dead, my stepmom's dead, my dad's dead, the only close relatives I had were my, my aunt and uncle, George and Sandra, and then when I was in high school, they got in a fight, and my Uncle George shot and killed my aunt and then stuck the gun to his own head, killed himself. So I'm 16 years old, and this is life to me, going, man, what's next? Everything seems to be falling apart, and we get a little worried, we get a little scared. And this is what Christians do, you know, they try to serve God, but then things get a little rocky, and things get a little unstable. And so we go, okay, that was nuts. I don't, I don't want to live like that. Let me... Uh, let me hold on. And this is your routine. This is what so many people do. They go, you know what? I'm not going to try anything crazy. I'm just going to sit here and uh, I'm just going to hold on. And uh, this is what you look like. You just go, uh, this is what people do. You know what? I'm just going to have my nice little family. We're just going to, um, you know, we're just going to keep to ourselves. We're going to live in a gated community. I'm going to homeschool my kids, make them wear helmets everywhere. I'm going to... Um, you know, I'm not going to let him outside because son has bad rays. I'm going to, um, you know, just on and on and on. And you just live your life in the safety of, I don't want to do anything crazy for God. I just, I just want to, you know, go to church on Sundays and maybe give like 2% um, and uh, maybe serve help the nursery because I feel guilty. And then you do this your whole life. And then you, you go, your greatest prayer is like, God, you know what? I would love to die in my sleep and not even feel it and then just go up to heaven. And so you want to die like this, just in your sleep, ooh, right in the middle of a dream, good dream, the dream you're going to heaven and you don't even feel it. And then suddenly you wake up, you stand before the judge and you go. <laughs> now, if, uh, could you imagine could you imagine watching the Olympics? You know? 
And some girl does that, just gets up there, starts straddling the thing, and then steps off and goes, What is the judge supposed to do on the card? You see, and to me, I go, man, that's the routine that so many Christians are headed for. That's the routine, the boring, I do nothing crazy because I don't want to fall. I, I, that's the routine that they're going to live, and then one day it's going to be a shock because they're going to step off that balance beam and realize they're standing before the judge. They're standing before the judge, and you think he's going to look at that routine and go, Wow, well done. Well done. You lived the safest life possible. You didn't slip. You didn't fall. See, that's not the life that God's called us to. That's where the majority will head. But I don't want to go where the majority goes. That's it, right? If I had a balance beam, I would have done that for you, but I don't have one. I could have done that, maybe. But that's the way it looks, right? A lot of us, we're, we're so scared, we're so full of fear that, that we just hang on, just whatever I can do to not mess up, I just, just let me hang on. I don't want to do anything crazy. We're going to read about a guy in 2 Samuel chapter 23, and he does something crazy. I mean, like, borderline what you would call in today's terms, stupid. Right? Do you realize that, that when you follow Jesus, people are going to look at you and they're going to think you're stupid a lot of times. You know that, right? Like if you truly follow him in obedience to Christ, you're going to do some things and people are going to think you are stupid, like out of your mind stupid when God calls you to be obedient to him. I, I think he does that to show us, man, you've got to have faith in me, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, like starting a church, for example, which is... You know, everybody's like, that is stupid to start a church in Oxford, Alabama. You realize there are like 50 gozillion churches in Oxford, Alabama. You do not need to start a church in, in Oxford, Alabama. I love that when people say, why did you start a church in Oxford, Alabama? Why, why did you do that? And I go, well, I didn't. I didn't. God said, do it. I said, yes. And that was kind of how the conversation went. You know? It wasn't my idea, okay? I don't know how, how else to express that to people. When they, they say that, man, they, this is ridiculous that you would start a church here. And I go, it wasn't my idea. It, it really wasn't. I just said, okay, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do that. And he said, well, go do it then. We'll see if you mean it. Let, let's, let's, let's put your money where your mouth is. Let's see if you mean it. And here we are. We got our own building now. Uh, completely separate, doing our own thing, uh, and we're struggling to find chairs, right? That's awesome. I mean, we had to kick the kids out of here. <laughs> Next week, we'll just have to get the kids to stand at the back or something. I don't know. Maybe we'll stand them over here. Maybe we'll get them on stage. I don't know. It'll be fine. I don't really care. It's fine. We'll go to two services next week, whatever it takes. I don't care. I really don't. I really don't. But really, when God calls you to do some stuff, man, people think you're crazy, stupid crazy. And here we're going to look at a guy named Benaiah. And uh, I believe that this guy's trust in God, his, his, his desire to just follow God and just be close to God, makes him almost borderline crazy, stupid, fearless. Like, I mean, he, he goes beyond the limits. 
And we look at him, and now he's like a, a hero when we look at just a few verses in the Bible. Man, you probably glanced over these at some point in the past. You're like, I never saw that. I never knew that dude's name was in the Bible. I never heard that preached before. So let's go to 2 Samuel. Let's put the scripture on the screen. 2 Samuel chapter 23, beginning in verse 20. This is what it says. There was also Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. Once armed with, only with a club, he killed a great Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Maniah uh, wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. Deeds like these made Benaiah as famous as the three mightiest warriors. He was uh, more honored than the other members of the 30, though he was not one of the three. And David made him captain of his bodyguard. This is what I know. If you were close to David, uh, David was like a, a great king. And he was able to combine the, the northern and southern kingdoms. They were all under him. And like, I mean, he was the man when it came to like leading the people of Israel. And he, was, he is known in the Bible as the guy who was after God's own heart, right? Uh, I, I, that's how David is described in the Bible. Wouldn't you like to be known as that? Like a, a man who is after God's own heart. That's, how your, that's your description. It goes along with your name. That's how David is known. So let me tell you this. One thing I know about Benaiah is he's a man of God. You know how I know that? Because uh, David put him in charge of his bodyguard. You think about your bodyguard. That's the people you, you trust the most, right? They're the ones that are supposed to protect you. They're the ones that are supposed to keep an eye on you, make sure that people don't mess with you, all of that kind of stuff. And David had a bunch of people that would do that for him and make sure that he was protected, right? Well, Benaiah was even more so than that. He was in charge of his bodyguard. So he was responsible for taking care of David. And if that was the case, I guarantee you, Benaiah was a man of God. And that's the reason he's mentioned here like he is, as a valiant warrior that he was. One thing I want you to see about this, one thing I want you to see in your life as you look at Benaiah's life and what he did. I mean, we looked at just a few verses, three verses out of 2 Samuel. And you look at what it says about him. It calls him a valiant warrior. And it says that, that he killed two Moabites. Right? That's what it says. And one of the first things it says is that he killed two Moabites. I don't know about you, but if, if I'm putting the odds on somebody, if it's two against one, I'm going with the two. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm going to say that, that, that I'm not putting my money on the one guy. I'm putting my money on the two guys. So I want you to see something about Benaiah. He's against the odds. He's always going against the odds. He's going the other direction. What about you, you and your life? Are you always taking the safe bet? Are you always taking the safest route? Are you always saying, you know what? It, I, it looks like this way over here is more likely the way to work out. As you follow God, because think about it now. Think about it. As you listen to what God is saying to you, a lot of times you come to these two, this crossroads, if you will, or, or a fork in the road. Where, where you got to decide, do I go this way or do I go that way? And, and first of all, are you seeking God on that decision? Are you really seeking the face of God? Are you, are you face down in front of God asking for his direction, his wisdom, so he can show you? One of the reasons that we deal with fear so much is because we aren't trusting God with those decisions. 
We're trying to do it on our own. We're trying to make our own decisions. Do you know how much relief comes with just saying, God, I don't know the right answer. I don't know if I'm supposed to start a church. You decide. Do you know how much relief there is in that going that he is way smarter than I am? That I really don't have to make up my mind. I can just trust him and focus on him. Here's the problem, though. Here's the problem, though. We, we struggle with communicating with God because we're not communicating with him often enough. Right? It's, it's hard for us to tune into his voice because we don't hear his voice enough because we're not in church enough. We're not praying enough. We're not reading his word enough. So it's hard to distinguish what's God's voice and what's my voice. Right? That's the struggle. Do you realize that the source of a lot of your fear comes from that? People are like, what should I do, Kenny? I'm so full of fear. I go, go to church, read your Bible, pray to God. Oh, really? But that's hard. I don't really like doing that. I'd rather stay at home. I'd rather not do that. I'd rather sleep late and not right. You want to know what to do about your fear. I can tell you that when my daughter was dying, there is nothing that would keep me away from the Word of God. I learned everything that I, 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 I could possibly learn in that amount of time. I just said, God, just pour into me. I need to know stuff. My daughter was dying from cancer, and I was just like, I'm just like trying to absorb as much as I could. You know why? Because that's the only place. I've told you this before. It's the only place I could find peace. There are no doctors that could tell me anything, no nurses, no, no EKGs, no MRIs. None of that could give me peace like reading God's Word. Everybody's like, man, why am I so full of fear? What do I need to do? Can you just tell me? It's the same thing I tell you every week. Same thing I tell you every week. And then you don't come back next week, and I'm like, I don't understand. I don't get it. Are you, really, are you really wanting to address the fear? It's obvious. It's obvious that Benaiah was a man of God, a man that followed God, walked closely with God. As a matter of fact, that he even did some reckless things, it looks like. He would go two against one against some guys because, you know what? I don't think the dude was afraid to die. I don't think it scared him. I think that the, the dying was something like, he was like, oh, it's okay, you know. It's all right. It's part of life. It's going to happen. If it happens now or happens later, it's all in God's hands. It's okay. Do you think about your life that way? Do, do you do some things as you follow God and you say, Lord, I just want to walk with you. And as opportunities present themselves for you to be glorified, I'm going to go down the, the more difficult path if that's the way you, you'd lead me. And, and God, I'm going to do that. Even if it looks dangerous or reckless or whatever, I'm going to do that anyway. Because this life doesn't belong to me, it belongs to you. So when you say go, I'm going to go regardless of what it means for me personally. Dude, I don't think he's afraid of death. You know how I know that? Because it says he went down into a pit with a lion on a snowy day. Once again, let's look at the odds, okay? You got a dude in a pit and a lion, and it's snowing. Like, you just glanced over that, maybe, when, when you read this, you know, 10 years ago or something. Dude was in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. Now, not only is he in there, I can imagine myself finding my, because I'm kind of a doofus in a lot of ways, I can find myself in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. I can see that happening to me, you know. Now, I just, because I don't really pay attention, a lot of times I'm focused, oh, look, a squirrel, you know. But, like, find myself in that position. But no, not this dude. Not Benaiah. He didn't find himself in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. He chased the lion into the pit on a snowy day. That's the kind of Christian I want to be. 
Right? That's the kind of dude I want to be that follows God. I want to be so close to God and walking with God. I go, you know what? It, and I don't believe, I, okay, let me, let me clarify this. I don't believe that the guy was just like, I'm going to just go show how big and bad I am. I'm going down into the pit and I'm going to kill a lion. I don't believe that that's what's going on there. I believe what happened is, Benaiah saw this lion and he was afraid for the people back in town. And he probably saw the lion he says, what if that lion gets out? What if that lion goes and hurts one of the kids back in town? What if that lion uh, attacks somebody else? And I have an opportunity right now to slay the lion because God has, has given me a tremendous ability to be a warrior. I'm not going to pass up this opportunity. I don't think he found himself in a pit. I think it says he chased the lion into a pit, went down into the pit. And think about this. Think about this. It's a snowy day. It's, I don't know what the guy's doing out there on a snowy day. I don't know why he's roaming around pits on a snowy day. I don't know why he's out in the woods looking for lions on a snowy day. All I know is that he is, it's a snowy day. What, what happens on a snowy day? It, you, you're, it, it's not comfortable, is it? A snowy day, I'm thinking I want to get back home. I want to I wanna like just get back to the house where it's warm. I'm not really wanting to hang around here, especially not to fight a lion. As a matter of fact, I think I'll just go back to where the fire is at the house and hang out there. That will be a whole heck of a lot more fun, right? No, this dude is there on a snowy day, takes advantage of an opportunity there to protect his people, and, and he goes down into a pit where if you think about a snowy day, what happens when the snow is on the ground? It's a lot more treacherous and a lot more slippery. It, it's, it's a difficult, precarious situation, right, when it's, there's snow on the ground. Uh, there's ice usually associated with the snow, and I don't know about you, but if I'm going one-on-one -on -one with a lion, I want to be able to have good footing. I don't want to be slipping and sliding and falling around and, and wondering, you know, am I going to be flat on my back looking up at a lion with his face like this? You know, I don't, I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. But that didn't keep Benaiah from going down into the pit, did it? It's a snowy day. It's a slippery day. And Benaiah still... He says, I'm going down into the pit anyway. I want to be like Benaiah. I want to be like Benaiah. He says, you know what? If God is holding me up, what do I have to be afraid of? What do I really have to be afraid of? What is it that scares me, really? Why do I have to be afraid? What is keeping me afraid? And I believe Benaiah, because he walked closely with God, he didn't really have that sense of, of fear. I believe that he just said, you know what? I'm going anyway. I'm going anyway. For us in our lives, so many times, this is what happens, right? Especially when it comes to following God and following the things that He wants us to do. Sometimes we got to make sure that the finances are all in order, that we got an extra $10,000 in the savings account, that we got, uh, you know, we got, we got our, our house is good, we got, you know, and this, <laughs> this is what cracks me up. Like, this is what young adults always say I'm going to make sure I got plenty of money. And I'm stable in my career before I have any kids. Right? How many young adults you ever, you ever heard say that? Like, like about a gazillion? How many of them ever do that? Like two? I mean, like, yeah, I know. Like, if you wait, if you wait till you're stable in your career and you have plenty of money to, to have kids, you won't be able to have kids, right? You'll be retired. You'll be working off your retirement by then. So I'm just saying, like, I, I'm not telling you to throw caution to the, to the wind and be reckless with it. But I'm just saying that if you're going to wait for the perfect time, good luck to you. Uh, I encourage you to give that a shot. Uh, 
I would still be waiting. I'd be going, I don't know when that's going to happen, I guess, you know. But, uh, but we do. We have a tendency to, like, we're going to wait until the stars are lined up just perfectly. And that we got clear blue skies and, and that everything will be in my favor, that the odds won't be stacked against me, that I'll, I'll have everything on my side so that when I go down into the pit, it'll work out my way. Well, I don't believe that that's the way God's glorified. I believe when, when God calls you to do something, or calls you to follow him, I believe that the stars aren't aligned just perfectly. I believe that there's a sense of, of man, this may go wrong. It may go very poorly. But I believe that we can be fearless if we walk closely with God, if we trust in God in such a way that we're not so worried about everything just being so. We go, God, you own the stars. God, you, you, you're the one that actually put them there. If they're going to line up, they're going to line up because you put them that way. God, if, if you are calling me to walk with you, then I'm going to trust you in every single step that I take. God, you created the lion. So if I go down in there to meet the lion, I'm meeting him one-on-one. -on -one. The, the, the same creator that created, created me is the one that created him. And I'm not going to be afraid of something on this earth. I'm going to be just focused on you and you alone. I believe that that's the way Benaiah lived his life. I, I, I believe that he just, because he walked so closely with God, I believe that his fears kind of diminished and his picture of God was just huge. It was just huge. The last thing we see here, what did he do? He killed an Egyptian. This is not an ordinary Egyptian. This is a huge Egyptian. I think that's what it says in NLT, isn't it? It says he was like a huge Egyptian. Go back one slide. A great Egyptian warrior. In some of the versions it says huge. The dude was, was gigantic. Like, not only did, did, did David slay a giant, this, this Egyptian was like over seven feet tall. This guy was big. I don't know about you, but uh, if I got a chance to go up against a seven foot tall plus guy that is a great warrior, I'm going to think in general, in my mind, that the odds are not in my favor. The, the odds are, are not for me. And the other thing is this. This dude's got a stick. The Egyptians got a pointy stick, right? Like the <laughs> Benaiah has a club. The Egyptian has actually a weaver's beam is what it is. And that's important too, by the way. I'll tell you in just a second. He's got a spear. And you know what Benaiah says? He goes, that's the guy I want right there. I'll take him. I'll take him. Preachers talk all the time about slaying giants in our life. It's truth, y'all. It's truth. As you, as you look at the, the giant, huge, enormous things that look like they're impossible tasks for you or for your family or, or for you to accomplish, I hope that you're walking so closely with God that you don't see a seven-foot-tall Egyptian. You, you see a two-foot-tall uh, uh, Irish uh, leprechaun or something. You know what I'm saying? Like it just they, they, they just they shrink in your mind because you know how big God is. You, you know how, how, how monstrous your God is and because that, of that you say, you know what? Who cares about the Egyptian? Man, I can take him. It's not a problem for me. And we don't know the circumstances around why this Egyptian 
was, was slew by, by Benaiah. We don't know necessarily why that was. But this is what I do know. There was another dude that carried around a weaver's beam. And his name was Goliath. And he was huge. And David slew Goliath when David was a little boy. We've all heard that story like a million times, right? He took the smooth stones and struck Goliath in the head and killed him. Cut off his head. And that's how he was made king. You know what I think? I think that imagery must have been in Benaiah's head when he saw that Egyptian. When he saw a huge man carrying a weaver's beam, he says, you know what? My king killed one of those. My king destroyed one of those. Uh, my king is the one that, that cut off his head and, and wasn't afraid, even though he was a little boy when he did it. I imagine Benaiah probably looked at him and said, you know what? I'm a grown man. I, I don't care if I got just a club. I'm going up against the guy with the spear that's over seven foot tall. I'm going to go because I have seen what God has done. It's a testimony is what it is. I believe that a testimony is what drove Benaiah in this particular situation. I believe the testimony of David and the fact that, that he was so connected with God that when he was a little boy he could slay a giant. That God used that to bring him in to being a king. You know what I think? You know what I think we need to do? We need to look at the testimonies of ordinary men who have done extraordinary things because of the power of God. And we need to use that and leverage that and tap into that and follow that. And say, you know what? If God did it in their lives, God can do it in my life. If God has, has done some miraculous thing and some giants have been slew before, he can slay them again. We don't have to sit here and just cower down in fear and crawl up in a corner and cry because we said there's no way out. It's not going to happen. The odds are stacked too far in the other direction. It's not going to happen for me. Look at the testimony of what we see over and over and over again in the Bible. When the odds are stacked in the other direction, the only place you can go is to go to your God, fall down at, your feet, at his feet before your God and say, God, you are the reason that I can slay giants. Only you. The only way that I can have enough peace to be able to sleep at night is because you can supply it. You're the only source of peace. The only way that I can have strength to go against the next chemotherapy regimen is because you are the source of my strength. The only reason I can get up and breathe another day because, you know, my, my, my husband or my spouse has left me. The only reason I can continue to do that is because you are the source of my strength. Here's a tragedy. Here's a tragedy. Some people don't know him. Some people don't have an intimate relationship with Jesus. They don't know God. They, they act like they know him. They say that they know him. But that's not where they go for their strength. They go to themselves. Let me tell you something. If you go to yourself for strength, it'll never happen. You will let yourself down. You won't be enough for you. You won't be able to. People tell me all the time, man, I'm afraid of, of committing my life to Christ. I'm afraid I'll sin again. I'm afraid I'll, I'll do something to mess up this relationship with God. And I go, you're right. If you depend on you, you will. If you, if you try to find strength within you to do that, you will. The only place you can go for that strength, the only place that you can go for the power of God is God. That's the only place. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? 
Sounds crazy. Sounds like this guy did some crazy stuff too. Sounds like this guy, he walked so closely with God that he wasn't afraid of much. Didn't look like he was afraid of anything, as a matter of fact. I believe he walked closely with God. He took the things that he was afraid of, probably took them to God. He didn't rely on his own strength. He relied on the same strength that he saw in, in David, his God. And I believe because of that, he found a whole new level, a whole new level of fearlessness. What about you? What about your walk? Are you truly walking with God? Are you close to God? Are you intimately uh, relational with God in such a way that you can call him Abba Father and you can actually lean on his strength and not your own? Is that what your relationship with him looks like? Or are you focused on you and what you can do and your abilities and your strength? There's only one way. There's only one way that you can find the peace that surpasses all understanding. And that comes from him. That comes from him. If you aren't a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a chance to come and say, God, I need you because I am tired of trying to do it my way. I, I need to do it your way. I need you to live inside of me so I can follow your Holy Spirit each and, each and every single day. So I can follow your way, which is higher than my ways, because you know everything that I cannot possibly comprehend. If you're a Christian and you're a follower of Jesus, but that relationship has been lacking, that relationship is struggling, and you're not connected with God, and you're full of fear, and you're full of doubt, and you're full of just, I don't understand enough about God, then come. Ask God to just open your eyes, continue to, to draw you closer to Him. Do whatever it takes so that, so that you will tap into His strength and not your own. Now, be weary of that. I want you to know that when you ask God to show me what kind of strength you have, God, that I don't have within myself, that there may be some things that come into your life where His strength has to be shown. I want you to understand that there, there's some opportunities there that you may, not, you may not realize what you're signing up for. Peter did the same thing. Peter did the same thing. He said, I want to be just like you, Jesus. And Jesus is like, you want to go to the cross? You got to understand what you're signing up for. I, I don't want to sell you a watered-down Christianity, one where we just say that once you surrender everything to God, it's all going to go great. What I want to do is tell you the truth, and that is that, that once you surrender everything to God, you're going to have peace about the things that you endure. That's the reality. That's the source you want to deal with the source of your fear? It's the root of the fear. The root of the fear is Satan. The root of the fear is not knowing God. It's not God. Come to God. Come to Jesus Christ. Come to Him. Address the fear at its root. And let God do a great work in you. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Lord, for your amazing word and the testimony of Beniah. Lord, in the, the fearlessness that he had, the, the strength that he had. And I believe that, that he had that because he walked with you. I believe that he had that because he, he just was overwhelmed by the sense of how big you are, how amazing you are, and, and, and how small his problems were. The things that, that were around him in, in, in the world that we live in, God, they were all small compared to the greatness and the goodness of his God. I pray that we would walk like that. That we would just be so close to you that everything else, God, would fade into the background. 
God, there are some people that aren't close to you because they don't have a relationship with you. God, I pray for that soul. God, I I know that you brought them here for the, the purpose of rescuing them from themselves. God, I pray that you would just open people's eyes. Lord, to the root of the fear. God, the things where the fear is coming from. God, that they would recognize that the only place that they can deal with that fear is at its root. And God, that you indeed are the source of the strength. That they must lean into you. They must trust you. They must have faith in you in order for those fears to disappear. God, help us to be fearless. Help us to be reckless in our desire to bring people into the kingdom. Help us to to just pour out, God, everything that we have. God, so that you might be glorified. God, that people might know you. People might see our testimony. and, And people say, God is able to do something great. God is able to do something amazing in ordinary people because I saw it done. I saw somebody who who was just ordinary and just like everybody else, and God did something great through them. And I know he can do it through me. So I'm going to trust that. I'm going to put my faith in that. God, may we be a living light for you. May our lives be a testimony for your power and your strength. God, I pray for the hurting soul that's in this place. God, I know that you brought them here to hear this message. God, so that you could pour peace. You could speak peace straight into their hearts right now. There are so many people that are hurting. God, they're struggling and they just need peace. God, I pray that they would lean into you. God, they would seek the peace that only you can provide. Father, thank you so much for your love, your grace, and your mercy, and your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone please stand? If God's speaking to your heart and you just need to come and pray, this is not a fancy altar. This is concrete floor but you're invited to come and you're invited to pray if, if, if you just feel like you know what God I just need to pour something out and let you deal with it God I just need to, to lay it down at this altar so that it may die come and sacrifice it at this altar whatever you need to do respond in obedience to the one and only who has the power who has the strength that you don't have